everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Fear Cast. This is the podcast dedicated to OCD, anxiety, anxiety spectrum disorders, and getting your life back. I'm your host, Kevin Foss. Uh, I'm a licensed therapist specializing in OCD and anxiety disorders. And thank you all so much for joining me for another uh, another episode. So, um, uh, so today we're going back to answering questions. This is a question and answer based podcast. If you have questions about OCD and anxiety, you can go over to Fearcast Podcast. You can find me over at the Instagrams. I'm Fearcast Podcast over there. Send me a, a text or message over at uh, the website, fearcastpodcast.com. You can send me an audio question over there. You can send me an email with your audio question at uh, uh, questions at Fearcast Podcast. Plenty of ways. I've put some of the things up at the very end of the episode. You'll hear some more about that. And today, I've we're in luck, everybody. I've had a ton of audio questions sent in, so we're going to do a, a series. We're going to do a bunch of them. Um, today, I'm just going to be answering one of them, uh, but uh, there's going to be a couple of them coming in a row. Uh, they seem to be a theme. There's a lot of sexual orientation, obsessions, and questions in the works. So I'm going to do my best to answer these questions. And um, thank you all again for trusting me and letting me be a part of your recovery process. So today's audio question is going to come from C. Actually, before I do that, I owe somebody an apology. So I ran a question, oh boy, a couple episodes ago, where I questioned the like i questioned the the listeners or the questioners um motives and that was um i'm not a detective i don't want to alarm anybody in that in case you are curious i'm not a detective so um what had happened was there were two audio questions that came in uh within you know close proximity to each other the voices sound very similar and the topic sounded somewhat similar now it wouldn't, I don't think I'm going out on a limb to say it wouldn't be unheard of for someone with OCD who wants to get reassurance to ask a question seeking reassurance and then getting an answer and then saying, mm, the information I got didn't feel right, didn't answer all my questions. Let me ask it again, but let me ask it, you know, just kind of differently. So it sounds different, but it's kind of getting at the same thing. I don't think I'm crazy in making that assumption that maybe some people out there have done something like that, maybe, but that's what I had thought about. So I, I raised the question or I raised the concern in the episode and said, maybe this is what's happening. And I got an email from that person and they said, no, it is not me. It was a different person, and you know what? I should have assumed, because as I mentioned, there's a little bit of a Canadian twang in one of them and not in the other one. I thought, ah, there's a difference. So um, I was wrong, so I apologize to that person who messaged me. So um, anyhow, hopefully I will not make any more rude accusations um, presently or in the future. I will. I will. So um, we are going to jump into this. So today's question comes from C. What I'll do is I'll play C's question, and then I'll talk a little a bit about it. So here it is, C. Hi. Um, my question for you is whether or not uh, HOCD 
maybe has an effect on the way I experience arousal with my partner. So I've never had an official diagnosis for any sort of OCD in the past. I have been um, dealing with chronic skin picking since I was about four years old, which I know is a type of OCD. Um, but for a long time, I have gone back and forth about the fear of whether or not I might be gay and lying to myself. Bear in mind, I've only ever dated guys and kissed guys, and, you know, I've experienced excitement in the past when doing so. But I also only watch lesbian porn, and this has caused me a lot of guilt and shame, and it makes me worry if maybe I have something going on other than that. Like, I'm lying to myself. And it's gotten worse over time, um... And I stumbled upon something called the Lesbian Bastard Doc. And I've been told that it isn't always the most trustworthy source, but it's caused me a lot of pain in my life. And now it feels like whenever I kiss my partner, I'm wondering, am I really excited by this? Do I really like this? Um, and so the times in the past where it was just I kiss a guy and I'm into it, I'm now in my head worried about whether or not I, li I like it or not. And my boyfriend and I haven't been intimate for like the past three months because I'm constantly in my head worried about whether or not I like it. I don't know. Does this sound like OCD or am I just throwing myself into these like mental gymnastics because I'm scared of being gay? Please help. This has been ruining my life. And I guess you can leave this out too if you want, but I've also been on medication and on uh, hormonal birth control, both of which make my arousal even worse. But then I wonder, oh, okay, I'm just not into guys anymore. Maybe I'm some kind of late bloomer and I just like immediately switched my orientation around. <laughs> All right, C, thank you for sending in that audio question. Um, again, I love these audio questions. It sounds very personal. There's like a real person at the other end of this, and there always is. Again, I've never made up any of these questions. So, C, your question. All right, where do we begin in this? So, uh, all right, in all of this, right, the, the question is like, well, your main question was, can HOCD, sexual orientation OCD, affect your arousal with your partner. And then you talk a little bit about, um, you know, watching lesbian porn is kind of your main thing, and there's a lot of guilt and shame about that. Uh, you talked about the lesbian master doc, which I'd look that up, and I will have some thoughts on that. And then, you know, you had some questions about, like, ah, does this sound like it's OCD, or is this kind of a mental gymnastics about whether or not you're gay? So... What's again interesting is that you called me the OCD guy. So I think there's part of you that thinks deep down, perhaps, perhaps there's some OCD afoot. I think you're right. At the very least, at the very least, what you're experiencing is a rumination going over and over and over the same questions. And that is very reminiscent of OCD. As we talked about before, HOCD previously, uh, sexual orientation OCD currently, um, is ultimately just OCD. And it is a obsessive doubt. Oh, no, what if this is true about me? Oh, no, I can't have that. Well, I better do something to make sure that I huh, feel better again, or that I 
uh, or that I, I answer the question to make sure that the thing will never happen and things is not true about me. Once you do that, uh, you feel relief, I feel certainty, I feel okay, I feel happy again. And then the question is, well, yeah, but what about what about this other thing? Or did you not answer all the questions? Or did you not? Yeah, but what about this other element? That throws everything. So you're back at the beginning, right? It's a never-ending cycle, and it changes the goalpost. Whenever you get to it, it says it's still not enough. You need to do more. And that's part that's part of the problem with rumination. You're going over... So you talked about kissing your boyfriend, and you have this question like, oh, no, do I like this? All right. One of the things we talked about before when it comes to obsessions is, you know, you don't need to do this every single time. You shouldn't do this every single time. But also to take a step back and to say, well, what is true about this? What is not true about this? Does this accusation, does this anxiety hold up in court? Is it reasonable and valid with a with a person, um, with the most reasonable, logical, uh, rational person I know agree with my fear? Or they say, nah, maybe that's not accurate. Maybe that's, you know, maybe there's something else going on. So you started off by saying, you know, you've, you've only dated guys. You've only be, you, and it sounds like you've only then been interested in, in men. Now, I, I don't know, there might be something else going on in terms of information you're not sharing, but you're kind of saying, I've only been interested in, in men. I've only, um, So you've only been interested in men, and then you've experienced excitement in the past, right? And then this question shows up, and it feels like it's undermining everything that you know about yourself, and that can be really scary. What if my life is a lie? What if I don't really know myself? What if the trajectory of my life is different? What if I'm barking up the completely wrong tree, and I'm screwed, in a sense, and that can be really scary. And at the very least, there is a false alarm of anxiety going off in your mind that feels like it needs to be answered. And you're doing everything you can to try to shut that down. And the way you're trying to do that is by rumination and by compulsion, by trying to trying to get to the bottom of it. And all that does is it glorifies the question and that you're never going to get to a firm and final answer other than that which you decide on. And move forward with, and we'll see. We'll see if things change. So, you talked about how you know, you've had this this you know, re- relationship with a boyfriend, and then you question whether or not you know y- you like this. We do know that what that, and I wonder with that, are you asking, do I fully like this, or would I really like this if if my boyfriend were a woman? Do I like this a little bit? Do I like this fully and completely and correctly? But either way, you're ruminating about it, and you're you're saying I when we you're saying I don't trust my experience, and furthermore, we we don't have a barometer to say we're experiencing this at a seventy two percent approval and uh, or seventy two percent rating, and that's good. Tomorrow is going to be an 84. Last week was a 95, so we're a little bit down, but don't worry, it's going to come back up. We don't really have one of those. And really, enjoyment in life goes up and down, but we do know, and we've experienced this, a surefire way to not feel happy is to question whether or not you are happy. Boy, it really sucks the wind out of life when you're doing that, because then you're scrutinizing and you're, sh- and you're sure to not let yourself experience the enjoyment that you could be having 
if you were to be present with that thing that you're experiencing. So, to your original question, can, can sexual orientation OCD affect arousal with your partner? I'm going to go ahead and say, yeah, anxiety absolutely can affect one arousal to our experience of pleasure and, and joy. It, it one can distract us from it can diminish the happiness that we're experiencing. We take ourselves out of the out of the moment and start to scrutinize. So yes, anxiety can affect the, your experience of arousal with your partner. And and that that messing with arousal reinforces the obsession itself. So you're saying, oh no, I wonder if I'm gay. And that anxiety diminishes your experience of arousal, your attraction to your partner or the opposite sex or the or the gender to which you are you are traditionally historically uh, attracted to. And because there's that diminishing, your brain goes, see, not as attracted as you used to be. Well, it's because it's not because you're anxious. <laughs> no, it's because you're gay, obviously. And again, this happens for someone who is identified as as gay, as lesbian, bisexual, and anxiety saying you're not who you who you believe yourself to be. You're instead someone else. You don't know yourself. And again, that can be scary. So, um, I, I also looked this up, and I don't have the statistics in front of me, unfortunately, but um, so it, it can be very, very common for women to watch lesbian porn only. So, it's not an all-the-time thing, it's not every woman, it's, and it doesn't then mean something specific about that woman necessarily. And there are a lot of elements that some of these articles pointed out about the differences between, you know, quote, straight porn and lesbian porn. One is that with lesbian porn, what can be more of a draw to a woman is that the focus is going to be more on women's pleasure rather than in, tra in traditional, in heterosexual pornography, the focus is more likely to be on a man's pleasure. And there's going to be th things or scenes or actions that are going to be more guided towards either visual components or towards man, uh, towards the men in that rather than focusing on women. And that can be more arousing to a woman. You see, you experience a lot of guilt and shame about that. Now, of course, you know, I'm going to say this. I hope you're talking with a therapist about these things too, and really getting into what's going on with that guilt and shame. So, Guilt and shame. We, 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 I, I'm not going to go into this. If you, I, I would really encourage you to go back and listen to the episode uh, on guilt and shame. Um, it was with uh, Mike Hetty. It's a fantastic episode. Mike is brilliant and offers a lot of really good advice on what you can do to help combat that sense of guilt and shame in your life. One thing in particular is looking at the difficulty with acceptance of the situation that you're in and also how you are guilting or shaming yourself, right? What are you doing and saying that's beating yourself up about all of this? Okay, so I'm going to encourage you to go back and listen to that. All right, so let's talk about the Lesbian Master Doc. Again, I had to look this up. So the Lesbian Master Doc, I think this is basically a lesson in looking on the interwebs for certainty. And man, if you're looking for something on the internet, you're probably going to find something about it. So the Lesbian Master Doc is this big, giant document that is 
it's like a the the, the Cliff's Notes is this. Here's how you know you're a lesbian. And then it's just a bunch of different points. And in fact, I think there's there's like a whole second, like the, the whole latter half of it has like a summary. And it's really just a, a bunch of like, here's a bunch of information or points or ideas that's, that make can help you to question or help you to maybe make a decision with whether or not you are straight or gay. And it, what it talks about is compulsive heterosexuality. Now, the problem with a lot of things like this is that there is, I suppose, a, some truths in it. But some truths does not make it true. And some things, some things in it are just bonkers. So like some of them are, you know, here's how you know you're a lesbian. Well, if, you know, if you, if you are, if you are attracted to men, but then once you start to become, you know, maybe closer to a man, you get really scared and anxious and nervous. Well, it could also be related to someone with a trauma history it could be related to maybe some cultural narratives about men or about relationships. There's a lot of things that could be going on with it. So again, documents like these information, like the lesbian master doc, it can be, it can be more damaging than helpful as someone is looking to this for answers. And it ultimately is probably going to be raising more questions and only making things more uh, anxiety provoking. To me, as I was reading through it, it felt like it felt like um, you know, hey, if you get tired at night, you might have this disease. So, like these kind of general things that you know may apply, may not apply, maybe due to one thing, maybe due to another thing, and then concluding with, ah, you're probably gay. It's ultimately going to be an unhelpful process. Maybe the only thing in there that I really found to be helpful is like there's a line in it. I'm going to paraphrase it, but it was basically like if you have never once been attracted to a man and you have only been attracted to women, you might be a lesbian. Like, yep, that would be a helpful sign, but that's not you. See, you have said you have dated men and you have found ex you have you have experienced excitement and arousal in the past so the information of lesbian master doc may not be helpful for you but it raises this question for you so Another thing about arousal is you also talked about, and you acknowledge this as well, that you're on medication and hormonal, hormonal birth control both can impact your arousal levels. So it's helpful to take that into account. And you may want to bring that up with your doctors uh, who are prescribing that um, to talk about um, its impact on your arousal and if there's anything that can be done about that. Again, talk to your doctor about that. Do not discontinue medication because some ridiculous podcaster uh, said anything about medication. Always consult your doctor. So see, what I'll also do is encourage you to reference the book or go find the book, Come As You Are, um, by Emily Nagoski, in which she talks about as well, and I've, I know I've referenced this in the past, and I keep probably bringing this up. Um, you know, I'm going to reach out to her and see if she can be on the, on the podcast. That would be super fun. But the point is, why I bring it up is that what, what that book talks about is a lot of research around women's sexuality and arousal and that it, it it isn't as cut and dry as men's arousal and she points out that through a lot of research they find that it that women's sexuality can be a lot more fluid in terms of what uh, what turns somebody on, what leads to attraction, what shuts down attraction. Whereas with men, it can often be a, a, a little bit 
for lack of a better word, simpler or more straightforward in terms of there's this thing that's arousing, I'm aroused. Whereas with women, it can be, a, it can be less, it can be more ambiguous, I, I suppose. And because of that, that's going to be feeding into this doubt. But again, what we're here to talk about is the uncertainty component about this. You're, you're going around and around trying to get answers. And instead, I wonder what it'd be like to practice saying, you don't know. Because the answer is, at this point, you don't know. You've said, you know what, here's this thing that I believe to be true about myself. And I have this thought that's throwing me into this, this doubt. Meaning that there's a thought that you're having, and the more that you're spending time thinking about that, the more you're doubting your experience, the more that you're not trusting yourself, and the more, that, the more we start to question ourselves, well, the, the, less, the, the, the less grounded we feel about ourselves. So instead, I wonder what it would be like to say, you know, I'm going to trust myself and trust historically who I have been and my rational mind that says this is who I would like to be. And maybe I'm wrong. And that last bit can be scary. Maybe I'm wrong. But in the process, going and pursuing the relationship with your boyfriend and seeing where it goes. And yes, there's going to be this thought and this worry and this uncertainty. And what if I'm wrong? And what if I don't actually really know who, who, you, who I am? And say, yes, thanks, brain, for that doubt, right? We've talked about um, uh, non-engagement responses in the past. So we're like, thanks, brain, cool story. I don't love it. I don't like it. But you know what? Th thanks for the suggestion that I'll, I'll, take that into, I'll take that under advisement, and then you promptly ignore it. And you keep going with your life. You keep going with your relationship with your boyfriend. And when that doubt comes up, again, that doubt that often comes with anxiety and urgency and nervousness and fear. Acknowledge it and shift over. But I would also encourage you to go talk with a therapist about this, to start unpacking some of these things and maybe what, it, what these thoughts mean to you and maybe think about some specific exposures you can do. Now, exposures exposures i think ultimately you know are helpful but in this case response prevention may be the most beneficial response prevention is going to be the second half of it, of erp response prevention is going to be pulling back on compulsive acts compulsive rumination avoidances compulsive uh, uh, reassurance seeking and and ritualistic behaviors so what are the things that you're doing to Get that certainty. Number one, cut out the lesbian master dot. Get rid of that thing. Cut out that. Cut out the active process of ruminating. Do I like this? Do I like this enough? Is it the right kind of like? Do I not like this? And trust yourself that, man, if there was a situation that you didn't really like, or a situation that you didn't like, that would become aware to you, and that you would trust yourself and your experiences rather than going in and scrutinizing each and every little bit and leaving it up to an element of uncertainty. Because not everything is going to be cut and dry, I hate to tell you, but oftentimes we, just, we round up to, I like this enough, and or I don't like this enough to the point where I'm going to say I don't like this. But we make the decision and we move forward with it. OCD and rumination doesn't want you to do that. It's going to send you right back into checking, thinking, plan it again, review it again, Relitigate. So, my answer to you is I don't know if deep down you are indeed gay, but boy, it sounds like you're doing a lot of rumination. 
So, I wonder what it would be like to let go of the rumination and see what happened. Let go of the compulsive acts that's there to try to give you certainty that ultimately see at the end of the day they have only made you more anxious and more uncertain. So take the risk to put those to the side and see what happens. It's a leap of faith. I don't know if it's going to work. I don't know if I am who I say I am, or I don't know if I'm going to discover that I am. And you know what? If you go in life and maybe, yeah, those compulsions were the one thing keeping you together. So you let go of those and boom, you discover who you are. Then go with that. But that's through living life and that's through moving forward with it and seeing what happens. And if and when it happens, you'll deal with it. You'll somehow find a way to manage that life and do that. But until then, live your life in the present, not live life out of fear of what may be. So, see again. Thank you so much for the question. Thank you for listening to The Fearcast. If you would like your question answered on a future episode, please click on the Submit a Question link at fearcastpodcast.com. If you would like your question answered sooner, please send me a recording of your question to questions at fearcastpodcast.com or by sending me an audio message through Instagram by DMing me at fearcastpodcast on Instagram. If you like the Fearcast, please write a review on your podcast platform of choice. Please remember that the FearCast is not substitute for psychotherapy. If you need a little bit of help in your recovery, please go over to fearcastpodcast.com and click on the Find Help link, and there's going to be some information for you there. So until next time, take a risk, challenge yourself, and don't take your brain too seriously. Bye. Mm-hmm.